Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm your host, Stacey Francis. And today we're going to be speaking with Robin Hauser. Robin's the director and producer of cause-based films at Finish Line Features. And she's also president of Unleashed Productions. Her most recent title, and the one we're going to be talking about today, is Savvy. Savvy is a film I was fortunate enough to be an expert in. And it really focuses on why it's critical for women to understand and take control of their finances. The film Savvy investigates the historical, cultural, and societal norms around women and money and brings a good amount of humor and honesty to why women take a backseat to managing their money. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Talking with Robin, why it's increasingly critical for you, for women, to take the reins of your financial future. So without further ado, please help me welcome Robin Hauser. Robin, I'm really excited to have you here. You are a role model and you have tackled the issue of financial literacy for women and its importance, and you've actually done something about it. Tell me about the film that's coming out, Savvy. What inspired you? The important issues that you discuss in that film. I'm just amazed. And and for all of those listening, everyone listening, you have to watch Savvy. It is fantastic. I was glued to the TV. Glued to the TV. It was amazing. Well, thank you for that incredible recommendation. It's an honor to be speaking with you, Stacy. Yeah, I am just thrilled to have this film, Savvy, in the can, as they say in the film world. I was inspired to make this movie because, well, first of all, I've always considered myself financially savvy. I have my MBA, after all. But then I got married, and for 25 years, I sort of abdicated most of the financial decisions to my husband. And at age 50, I was divorced. And for the first time, I realized that I now was solely responsible for my financial well-being. And at the age 50, it's a little different than being, say, 20 and being responsible for your finances. I looked down the road at retirement and realized that, you know, I had a lot of work to do to, to secure my financial future. And I started talking to friends and I realized this hesitancy, we, even with some of my closest friends, this hesitancy that our culture has about talking about money. And I needed help, right? I wanted to know what were people investing in or how should I invest? Or did somebody have a really good financial advisor? How much did I need to save for retirement? This hesitancy, I realized there's a huge taboo about talking about money, especially amongst women. So I wanted to dig deep. And there's so many things we could have covered in this film. We chose to concentrate on some of the issues that we felt were most relevant now, and especially in this COVID era. So financial security, people that are living paycheck to paycheck, so financial fragility, financial abuse, 
high interest rate credit cards. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen with COVID, it's had an extraordinary impact, not only on the economy, but us as individuals and particularly women. And women are being definitely impacted not only with higher unemployment rates, but we've also seen statistics coming out where women are lagging behind during this last year as far as raises and promotions. Men outpacing women three to one for getting promotions during the pandemic. And what shocks me is how women, we've come so far, just celebrated Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday. And, you know, she's one of the amazing women who's paved the way. But in some places, we still seem stuck in the past, having those typical gender roles where she might be doing more of the bill paying, but he often has more of the you know, realm of investing, working with the financial planner, working with the accountant. And I know that you talked about that issue. Like, where does that come from? You know, where does that come from? And I'd love to, you know, talk about what do we do? I mean, obviously, Watch Savvy is one of them. But what do we do to, to change that? Yeah, this was a big puzzle for us to try to solve. I read a statistic that was published in a report that UBS came out with in 2019. And it said that 54% of women abdicate major financial decisions to men in their lives, right? 61% of millennials are doing the same. So what that means is this isn't just a problem that our grandmothers might have had, that our mothers might have, that we might suffer from. This is not getting any better. The fact yeah. that millennials are We're actually- teaching our millennials, our younger women, the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's it. So I don't know if it's either a few different theories. You know, is it pattern sort of matching? Is it us watching our moms not be involved in money and not being the one to make, to at least collaborate in major financial decisions? Mm-hmm. Many women handle the day-to-day finances in the house, right? The grocery money, that type of thing. But do they know whether, you know, how much they have in a separate IRA? Do they know what they have for, for savings for the, for the future? Are they the ones that, that are helping with investing and making investing decisions? You know, likely not. So it concerned me that things weren't getting better. And I asked this question to a lot of the subjects that I interviewed. One thing that came up a few times was something called the Cinderella effect. And women, who, who knows? Is it biological? We just like to be taken care of. And, but I think it's more than that. I think that it, gender roles in our society are so set and strong that I believe that we almost, there's a fear of emasculating our partners. And of course, I'm talking about heterosexual couples, but emasculating a man if, if they're not the one to sort of have this fiat control over money. Yeah. I remember like it was yesterday. It was a decade ago. I was in a a seminar and we were doing goal setting and everybody had to share their goals. And it was a it was kind of a smaller group. And I shared my goal. And my goal was to eventually out earn my husband. And the reasoning was, you know, not to emasculate him. It was to say thank you to him for supporting me in starting my business and supporting me as we funneled all of our money into Savvy Ladies and and starting the nonprofit. 
And the woman in front of me turned around and said, oh, honey, oh, honey, you, you don't, you don't want to earn more than him. He's not going to like it. Right. That won't go over well. Yeah. He's not going to like it. And your marriage, it's not going to work. And what's interesting, fast forward 10 years, I am fortunate enough to out earn my husband and he's so happy and we've never been happier in our marriage. And we feel so blessed and we're able to do things for our children, for others. I mean, that was something I will tell you, Robin, I came home and I talked to my husband about this. I said, are you going to not like me if I earn more money than you? Is this true? I think it is true in a lot of cases, though. I think that you're married to a very strong, confident man that won't feel emasculated, you know, by a, by a, 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 I mean, I say strong woman, and that's a good thing, but also by a woman that, that earns more. Farnoosh Torabi wrote a book called When, when She Makes More. Yes. And, you know, it's really interesting because she talks about how there are all sorts of problems, yes, that arise in a relationship, especially if it's sort of based on more traditional, you know, principles when a woman starts making more. And yes, a strong man, I think, can handle that. But what happens, it, I think it all has to do with, with control. Is the person that's making more controlling the money? Is there a shift of sort of dynamics and power in the relationship when one person makes more? Are they then the person that gets to make the decisions? Yes, we're going on vacation. No, we're not. Yes, you can buy that coat. No, you can't. That type of thing. And, And this is why I'm a big advocate for my bank account, your bank account, and our bank account, right? I don't want to have to ask permission to buy a sweater, right? So that sort of idea of control, who's controlling the money, you know, transparency is really, really big and really important too. I mean, how much do you, as Farnoosh also says, you know, she says she has married and she's a millennial. She says, I have married female friends that don't know how much their husbands make. Yeah. That is shocking. I do too. And some of my female friends who I think of as some of the strongest forward thinking women in my life who don't know what their husbands make, don't know how much they have saved. It's shocking. And you know what? I think part of it, though, is that there's a division of labor and she does certain things. He does certain things. We've seen this with our parents, our grandparents and on, but it's got to change. And this is a a statistic from, from Savvy, actually. Eight out of 10 women in the U.S. are going to be solely responsible for managing their finances at one point in their lives. I mean, that, that's exactly the, the, the important point here, Stacey. I think that it's fine if you're in a really good relationship. There is transparency. You feel like you have a say in it. That's great. But if you're not savvy about where are your investments, who's got the mortgage on the house, how much is the mortgage for, where is your retirement savings? If you're not in on those, at least knowing that stuff. Yeah. And something happens to that partner who, who ha- holds all that knowledge, you can be in a world of hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Because going through grief and whether it's divorce or, or death of a, of a partner or spouse and having to figure out all of that financial mess is really a burden. And yes. I think that that's one of the reasons that it's, that it's so important for women to not take a back seat to managing personal finance. A lot of the women who are listening to the podcast today are going through the divorce process or have come out on the other side. And 
they are part of that eight out of 10 women who are now solely responsible for their, their finances. And, you know, each one of us had a different, different role in our relationship of how involved or, or not involved we were with, with the money. You know, the women that you, the, you interviewed for this amazing film, which Farnoosh Tarabi is one of them, did they talk about how women can get more involved with their finances, whether they're married or, or not? Where do we start? And, you know, it is what it is, whether you were super involved or not involved, it's now about moving forward and making good decisions moving forward. Right. I mean, I think whether you're in a same-sex relationship, but you're not the one that handles the finances or you're in a heterosexual relationship, I think the first step is to say to your partner, I'd like to know more. I'd really like to go over our finances. I'd like to know, do we have a mortgage? Do we have two mortgages? How much do we owe? How much do we have in savings? How much do we have in investing? Who's our banker? I mean, all of these things are really, really important. Do we, you know, do we have money in a 401k or in a SEP IRA? These are questions that are so important. And just to hopefully approach your partner in a, in a way that they're not defensive and that they don't worry. I think there's a lot of control issues when it comes to money. And of course, this sort of borderlines on, on financial abuse, right? If somebody's with a, a partner who doesn't want to share this information or isn't willing to be transparent, then that's a little bit of a red flag. And I think that you should definitely think, think about that. I mean, that, you know, why? Why aren't they willing to be open and transparent? And you mentioned that women that are listening are going through divorce. This was a really important part for me of the film was to put a scene in where Christelle is talking to Erin, who's a young divorcee and just trying to help her navigate. And she talks about some of the major mistakes that women make when they're getting married. You know, one, they under budget what it's going to cost. They don't want to put down how much it costs to get their hair done every six weeks, right? Or, or all these things we call the pink tax, right? It's more expensive to live as a woman than it is for, to live as a man in the United States. We, we know that. Our products cost more. We earn less. So, you know, really coming up with a realistic budget. Many women yeah. want to keep the house. We feel yep. this guilt. We need to keep the house because of the kids, but not all assets are created equal. And keeping the house, you know, if the house is worth a million dollars and, you know, you might have a million dollars in an account. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, an account. account. Exactly. They are not the same, right? There's depreciation yep. on the house, there's wear and tear, there's the property tax. There's, yep. And then so many women just want it done. They just want it done. And they rush to get out of this. The negotiations are so difficult, but they rush to get out and they leave a lot on the table. And what yeah. you see is that, say, you might, it might look like you're starting out on equal ground after the divorce for the first year or so. But within five years, typically the man is, has this great projectile upward financially and the woman stays stagnant. And the reason for that is they have greater earning potential and probably greater access to capital. Yeah. So and as difficult as the divorce process is, I urge people to get to get a really good divorce account and to get a good, you know, financial planner that can help you through that process. Yeah, and it's definitely important for for women because we live longer, our retirements are more expensive because we have higher medical costs typically. We are much more likely to need long-term care and those types of services and we start retirement 
with less. We start retirement less in our nest egg. And so for women, the stakes are, you know, are really even higher. And I can understand through the divorce process of just wanting to get it done. I, I almost think of it of like childbirth. I love my children. <laughs> I love my children. But childbirth was pretty darn, pretty darn painful. And I was ready for it to be done and have my beautiful children and start my new life with them. And well, you know, bless divorce. It's a prolonged childbirth and it can be very painful, of course. And you just want to get it over with and start your new life. And the challenge is I see this women who are sacrificing their long-term financial security for the short-term pain that they're going through. And sometimes you can't carry that pain. So find a team that can carry that burden for you. And you talk about a financial advisor of helping you really think long-term and make good decisions now, but also, you know, a coach, a therapist. I, It's yes. one of the most traumatic times that you're going to face in your life. And you need that team, a great attorney, all those people who are your team to help you through. Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And, and you need to pace yourself through it yeah. because, you know, leaving something on the table could literally cost you your happiness during retirement or your, you know, the financial security during retirement. So, and you know, the other thing is, as you were saying, women also spend more time out of the workplace to care for elderly parents and children. And therefore we, you know, we earn less and we have less social security. Yeah. And the one thing that we have to be careful about with social security is cuts to social security, which will happen because as we know, Social Security program is approaching insolvency and who that impacts the most are single women. And the average benefit for a retired woman is a little over $14,000 a year. That's it. Below the poverty level. Yeah. And a man, it's $18,000 for the same age. But the piece that's really shocking is the number of women who subsist on that $14,000, there's a large number of women where that is their primary source of income. And they tend to be women who are divorced and single. And so putting money away is important. And I've heard far too many women who unfortunately have been put in a really difficult position and their financial plan now is getting remarried. Oh boy. See, and that, and that should not be the goal, right? I mean, I can understand if that's, I mean, how sad to force yourself into a relationship that might not be a healthy one just for financial security. Um, yeah. And, and that's why this kind of, it's a circle that goes back to your role in your marriage, your involvement in the finances is so key to make sure, number one, that you don't find yourself forced to stay in an unhealthy marriage. My grandmother is one of those women where she felt financially trapped and stayed in an abusive marriage for decades. It changed her. It changed oh, her. Absolutely. She, this is very common. Very you know, became common. A, a broken woman and you couldn't hug her without her shunning, thinking that you were going to hurt her, even oh, though so no one, you know, I'd never raised a hand. My father had never raised a hand at her because of that trauma. And I think what's so important about this issue and and savvy in your film 
is that this is not, it's not just about money. This is about financial security. It's about safety. It's about women having options. And that's right. You know, you think about a world, a utopian world where everyone was financially secure and safe. What would that world look like? And all the challenges and problems that we deal with today, how many would those of those go away and be resolved? Oh, absolutely. And especially when you're talking about safe financial abuse, right? And as you say, living in uh, in a relationship that's that's not healthy. And and that's absolutely right. There are so many women in the United States who are afraid to leave or don't know how to leave because they don't have that nest egg. They don't have their own account. They might not even be allowed to work, right? And therefore don't have their own savings or ways to break out. All of that's so important. Yeah. Tanya Rapley's story in Savvy is really a strong one where she talks about how she was in a financially abusive relationship right out of college. And, you know, sometimes we don't see what's happening, right? And she finally, she was lucky enough to have parents that were able to get help her with a plane ticket so that she could yeah. just, you know, leave and get healthy. But I do think, you know, and also you were saying, what is, what is that sort of utopia? What does that look like? And I do believe that not making as much money as men, not having control of our own personal finances is likely one of the final, you know, steps on the frontier of equality. And, you know, think about some of the even just abusive relationships that go on in, you know, corporate America, right? I mean, think, I think right now about Fox and, and sort mm-hmm. of the whole story behind Bombshell. Do you think those women would have even had to subject themselves to that type of sexual abuse if they had as much money as, as men yeah. do? I mean, they wouldn't stand for it. They would just say, you know, it's take this job and shove it type money, right? Yeah, I know. And, and it, it boxes us in. Now, one of the issues that you tackle that I think is really interesting of like, where do these financial inequities, the lack of financial education from really, you know, where does it stem from? And you talk a a little bit about financial education in schools and how that can deepen inequities. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And, you know, I'd love to start that discussion of like, what can we do? How can we make sure that our daughters don't follow that? Yeah, I mean, sadly, you know, there used to be financial education in schools, at least much more sort of standalone education. And there was sort of home ec, but that's still, you know, and then, I mean, I think this, Stacey, starts really young when, say, in fifth grade or so, sixth grade, girls stop raising their hands in math and science class because it's not cool to look like the smart one, right? And mm-hmm. especially, I'm talking about co-ed education. And so with that, we get the societal messaging that it's not cool to be interested in, in math and therefore probably in money. I do think that we should absolutely, it should be obligatory starting in middle school and have it all be age relevant, right? Age appropriate, but have standalone financial education classes. You need to know, I mean, maybe in the future, we won't be using checkbooks probably anymore. Maybe that's not the most relevant thing. But for instance, how do you grow your money? Is it safe to keep your money just in the savings account or in a checking account? What are the fees you know, when you're putting your money in, how is it possible that you actually lost money over a month because your money was in an account that was charging fees? Let's demystify the stock market for women. It's such an, it's, 
the number one generator of wealth, right, in our country has been for the last several years. And yet, if women are intimidated by it, because Wall Street wasn't designed to keep women out. It wasn't intentional. It's just that it was made by and for men. And therefore, it's somewhat intimidating. All the warlike analogies and the sports-like analogies and the sort of macho, aggressive, Jim Cramer type, you know, attitude about investing, it sort of marginalizes women. It makes women feel uncomfortable. And I also think there's a certain amount of shame. If you've grown up, if you're, you know, a smart woman, you've gone to college, you are well-educated, you maybe have even had a stint in the corporate world, but you don't know much about the stock market, it's intimidating and it's shameful to some women at a certain age to admit that they don't know much about it or how to get involved, right? What's an ETF? I mean, and who can I even ask? Especially since women don't talk about money with each other, who do we have to turn to? Especially if you think, well, I have to be wealthy to have a financial advisor. Of course, you and I know you don't have to, they're out there, but some women don't even know how to start. Yeah, no, I remember opening up my first 401k, my first job out of college, and I didn't know what a mutual fund was. And so I, I sheepishly asked my colleague, who was, you know, just so you know, the same age as me, what are you doing with your 401k? And how do you have it invested? And then I just did what he did, having no clue if what was good or bad, or I was just like, well, okay, he's, he's doing it. So I guess I should do it. And <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. And then I never, never talked about it again, never looked at it again. And so then I realized very quickly, watching grandma, that I need to learn this stuff. I need to learn right. this stuff. And, um, you know, chances are, he didn't really know what he was doing either at that age. Right? I know, but very, he sounded like it. Well, that's he it. He was, it he was very it. confident. <laughs> I was like, wow, like, where did he learn this stuff? You know, well, who, that's who the taught thing. him that stuff? Right. And often, I mean, I've read studies that show that they haven't necessarily been taught, but number one, they feel the burden on them from society that they need to know about this stuff. Maybe they have taken, you know, a a finance class, but I also think they're more willing, they're more willing to take risk and more willing to sort of jump in and figure it out as they go along than we are. Women are more risk aware, right? So we're a little bit more careful because we're aware of the risks of investing our money in the stock market, et cetera. Yeah. But those should all be classes that we should all have to take in school. I think especially things like, what is compounding interest? Yeah. We have a story of Yanelli Espinal in Savvy Documentary. She's a first-generation American. Parents are from the Dominican Republic. She gets a full-ride scholarship to Brown University. She's obviously incredibly brave, very motivated young woman. And she walks out of class one day and there's a bank tent set up. They're giving away Frisbees and t-shirts and pizza. And all she has to do is sign on the bottom line for a credit card. And it was never explained to her how the credit card works, how she has to pay it off in full every month to not incur this horrible, you know, compounding interest. And when she gets the statement, it says, pay this amount, which of course was the minimum amount. So before she knew it, I mean, having never had access to that kind of money, and suddenly she had $1,500 one day on her credit card, she ended up really quickly with over $20,000 in debt. And whose fault is that? You know, I mean, I think it's the institution is responsible for when you're selling those type of things to a young college student. Yeah, I remember same thing at my college. So this was back in the, you know, early, early 90s. 
you got a, a t-shirt if you opened a credit card. And I did. I stood in line. So, <laughs> and it was, you know, and, and I think a slice of pizza and I was really right, hungry. Exactly. These pizza. So yeah, it's so important. And I will say also a great step for everyone listening today is to watch Savvy. So I would love to have you share just a little bit more about where our listeners can find out more about Savvy, you know, where they might be able to actually watch Savvy as well. Yes. So I'm thrilled to announce our world premiere, which will be at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. And the fun thing about this year is that because of COVID, they're having uh, mainly virtual screenings. So from April 1st to April 10th, you can buy virtual screening for $10. And that the site to go to is S-B-I-F-F, so Santa Barbara International Film Festival dot org forward slash tickets and search for Savvy. It's with the S as a dollar sign. So the film will be accessible to anybody in the United States for those 10 days. And then we're going to stay on the festival circuit and see what happens, see where we're going to go next. There's also, if you're in the Santa Barbara area, there are two drive-in screenings, one Saturday, April 3rd at 3.30. And then if you're an early riser, there's another one Monday morning at 8.30. That was kind of fun to go to a drive-in. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, we will be sure to put all of that information in the show notes for all of our listeners to be able to get that information. We'll also put in a link to the book that Farnoosh Tarabi wrote when she makes more, as well as more information on Savvy. And remember, Savvy is with a dollar sign. So dollar sign, A-V-V-Y, Savvy. Robin, it was great to have you here. Thank you so much. Any other parting words or information you want to share? Well, I just want to say thanks to you. You serve as an expert in the film and a voice of reason and a comforting one. So your participation in the film is vital. And I'm really grateful to you for for uh, agreeing to be in the film. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It was uh, really the highlight, highlight, highlight of my year. Really wonderful. So thank you for being here, Robin. We appreciate it. And thank you for everybody listening today. As promised, we will put the uh, Santa Barbara International Film Festival link to Savvy so you can go ahead and watch in early April. And again, Robin, thank you for being here at Financially Ever After. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you for joining us today at Financially Ever After, talking about important issues that you need to know about going through divorce. If you have questions about your finances, you're not alone. Going through the divorce process and after can be frightening and scary. And Robin Hauser shares that she herself had a big wake-up call after her divorce, learning how imperative it was to understand and take control of her personal finances. If you have questions and need support, please reach out. You can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at FrancisFinancial.com. And we can set up a half-hour consultation to look at your overall financial picture and make sure you're on the right path, making good decisions that not only impact you now, that impact you for the long term. We are here for you. So please reach out. And thank you for joining us again at Financially Ever After. We'll see you in two weeks.